Then good night, depending on the time of the day you're watching this. Let me, I forgot to close my blinders. It looks like, you know, I'm going to have a visit from God. It's not, it's just I have really bad light. And I forgot. And it's not a good idea, you know, to blind my guests either. So <laughs> it's better to do it this way. So hello, everybody. How are you? As you know, we do time travel in this show. Uh, we are at 5 p.m. the afternoon in Spain. What time is for you, Matt? It's 10 a.m., so I, I woke up maybe like two hours ago. <laughs> nice, nice. I woke up like, yeah. I don't know how many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. 9.30 my time, like a long I'm, time ago. In a galaxy I'm still on my morning away. coffee. So. This is my, I am not going to say what it is, but it's my something that I take <laughs> yeah, after okay. the lunch. You know, yeah. I take from this bottle and pour in that bottle, so you can imagine it's not coffee. Anyway, as we were saying, how's things for you, my friend? First of all, the great Matt King with you all. Ladies and gentlemen, as we know, we are time traveling. And the second part of it is how things in your part of the world. Are things getting better, worse, crazy, as usual? How is it? Yeah, it's good, I guess. we. I'm lucky that I have. I can just stay home and work or not go into the studio and work, so I don't really know what's going on. You know, I look out the window. It looks the same to me, you know, but we've been quarantining for like a year. In a, in a, but we're getting, hopefully light at the end of the tunnel here with vaccine and everything. So we'll see. Yeah. Same thing here. You know, the, the vaccination pace keeps getting better and better, faster and faster here in Spain. I think we're the second yeah. country in Europe in terms of speed after the UK, which is, you know, in another galaxy because they hoarded all the vaccines. They kept them for themselves and didn't give them out. So let's not talk yeah. about that. But the pace is really, really good. Okay. Imagine my name is Victor Frankenstein from now on. I'm your doctor. <laughs> I don't know if you can trust me or not, but you know that's that's why I am. This rotating plan just became, you know, Jim Carrey. Boom, boom! I just gave you two shots. I just gave two shots to everybody in the world. I just ended the pandemic, and now I'm asking. Sounds you, good. What's the first yeah. thing that you've been dying to do since March of last year? The first thing that the moment you are releasing to the wild, <laughs> that is like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I want to, like, of all the things, I want to just, uh, I want to get together with friends and play some board games. I'm like a huge board game fan, so I want to, I want to do that, which is like still kind of a staying at home activity. And then, uh, but also I miss museums. I want to mm -hmm. travel. I haven't traveled anywhere, and and uh, it's probably the longest I've gone without flying somewhere or going to see uh, whatever art in some museum. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I miss that the most. Oh, you did a, you, you did a lot of that. I remember when you were last in uh, in Madrid with the family. Yeah, no, we had so much fun in Madrid, and that was like that was like one of our last trips. I'm trying to think of our last overseas trip, and then we I was supposed to go to France in April last year, and I and uh, I was so excited, and then that didn't happen. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that'll be the next thing. I get on a plane, we go somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you miss the most? That kind of traveling, you know that being able to go to museums and think, see things or the convention side of it? Definitely the museums. <laughs> conventions, <laughs> conventions is like a, uh, the convention is like a, uh, it's like the office. It's like going to the office to work. You know, I, I enjoy it. It's fun, but it, it's, uh, it's also, that's the business part of it. But I like just, I like visiting. Like the lucky thing about being in comics and the thing I never realized was, um, how it opened up the world. Like we got to, I got to travel so much more than if I uh, had just been like a graphic designer or done my original day job. I, I got to see so much more. So it's, I feel lucky to, uh, 
have like stumbled into this crazy career where I have fun all day and then I get to go travel around the world. <laughs> uh, in terms of the conventions, if I asked you, there's two parts. Always when I ask, you know, there's two parts of it that people miss. Some some people tell me, you know, the fans, and some people tell me, yeah, the fans is fine, but it's the work part. But there's the other part where you meet. It's the only time in the in the year, maybe where you can meet with your peers, have a beer, have a coffee, just you know, talk shop. Is that the part you miss the most? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's that really is the thing. Is um, like there's some conventions where that's the only time that year I'll see some of my friends, you know, and um. And I know he, uh, like, there's a show we go to here in, uh, called Heroes in North Carolina. And, and that's mo almost all of my friends end up going to that show and we hang out like a few days before and then a few days after. And so that's one of the shows I miss the most. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, and then like Jeff Lemire's in Canada. So it's like I, uh, either have to go up there and see him or we end up meeting at a convention. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a kind of a lonely year. And why would you go to Canada anyway? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and why comics of all the chances you have to do anything why did you decide to do comics <laughs> That's a, you know it's funny is like i i have a i have a lot of interests so like I'm, like when i was younger like i loved writing and i really loved drawing and i love movies and uh and i think when I was getting ready or when I was out of high school, going to college, I was like, I really want to do something in, in film, make movies, you know, like I like the writing part of it. I like photography and, and directing. And then I, and I realized that um, two things. One is um, I, uh, I, w I won't be able to do it all. Like when you're in, in filmmaking, you, you aren't able to do everything. And I like editing. I like, I like cinematography. I like, I want to write the thing. I want to, and, uh, the chances of me being able to do all that, they were so small. Um, so that was the first obstacle where I was like, ah, I just don't think I'll, I'll be happy doing that. And the second one was having to work with so many people and collaborating and raising the money. I was like, I don't want to do that either. Mm -hmm. Um, so in a way, comics was like the ideal medium where I don't have to, I don't have to work with anybody. I don't have to listen to anyone. And, uh, and I can do everything myself. You know, I can write, I'll write it, I'll draw it, I'll letter it, I'll design it. Um, and now like, uh, and the, the, to me, the publisher is almost at this point, the publisher is almost incidental. <laughs> like I, was, I was like, I, they helped me and they facilitate it and it's great. And, and with the marketing and the promotion and everything. Um, but even that stuff I like doing, I like trying to figure out how to market a book and promoting it. That there's a, creativity to that that I also enjoyed. So comics was the one medium where like I was able to just do it all and have total control. Mm -hmm. And that, that's also why you do uh, uh, the Kickstarters. You know, it, it also challenges you to, to, to keep thinking in the, in that other uh, part of the business. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do, I enjoy that. Like I, my daughter's about to go to college and, and she's into art and she can do everything. She can do everything better than me, which is amazing. I'm so happy. I was like, good. You're, you should be better. But uh, the one thing I was, I was like, take some business classes, learn like how to be an entrepreneur. Like, like I went to school and I took all the writing and drawing and design. So I got the creative part down, but I didn't take any of the business stuff. So like, that was something I had to learn on the fly. And, and I was like, I, I think that's good advice for anybody. That's a creative person. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you tend to be good at that. That's all left right brain stuff. And then, but it's the left brain, the business part of it that, is much harder like in uh 
you need to learn that too if you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever th- <clears throat> did you ever think about becoming an editor? Um, I would. I've thought about it not when I was younger, but like as I get older, I'm like, oh, I really I see a lot of young creators who I really love and I love the art and and then uh, and then I not just not really just an editor, but like a publisher. Like I love mm-hmm. the idea of 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 just being like promoting people who I'm a fan of, you know, and then putting all that together and, and like, and then, uh, and just putting like a line of books together. I, that's interesting to me, but at the end of the day, there's, I only have so many hours in the day to work. And so I just don't have, I don't have the time to do it. I still like making them. So (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing I was talking to, um, another Spanish creator on last Thursday, I think it was. And I was asking her about, you know, her future in the industry, what she thought she could do. It's like, believe it or not, if I ever get tired of creating comics, I could become a publisher, not a, not an editor, a publisher. So I am yeah. able to promote, you know, because she gets, I guess that's the same thing with you. She gets so many samples of people, so see so many stuff. So many, it's like, it's like, I feel so bad because I don't have time to help them. Or like, if I ever change roles, that could be my role, become a publisher so I can push and help that people. Yeah, yeah. I see, because I see that all the time, all these books. And I was like, oh, these, they're not getting enough attention. And, and then, uh, and I just, you kind of want to promote those. And I do what I can just with my voice. But, um, yeah, I would love to put a line of books together and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and then, and then maybe design them and then edit too. I would do the editing. You could do it all in the end. Except for yeah. <laughs> is, is there, when you start creating a story, when you start, you know, thinking about it, I, I'm thinking about Scott McLeod, you know, because the time we ha- I had him here, he was, you know, pointing at the corners of my screen and s- signaling, you know, the kind of creators that exist and all that. And I always prefer to live in the middle, you know, not not all the structuralists, the emotionals, the blah, blah, blah. But when you get into a project, what's your focus? Do you focus on emotion first or do you need to think about the structure of what you're creating first? Yeah, I... It's it's all over the place. I I think the emotion part is the last part. Like when every story it starts with like a to me it's like the idea first. Like what's the big idea? What's the what like the big broad stroke? Like I don't know any book. Like my management to me like like the I just want to do something that had uh characters with kind of mind powers. Whatever it is, you know, just like a little bit of spy stuff thrown in. I'm like oh these elements that I like. Um, and then, and then I honestly, I just, I take an idea like that. I'm trying to think of another one, another c- concept. Like there's a new one. There's a, there's a new story I'm working on where it's like, this is a perfect example. This is, I'm not even, I haven't even written it yet, but like the, the idea is like, uh, these telescopes are way out in space and then pointed back at earth and they're looking at time. They're basically looking at, uh, the past. Like mm-hmm. they've, faster than light they go out they turn around they look at the light that's coming in so they can see the past so that mm-hmm. that's an idea i've kind of had for a while i think my dad actually gave me that idea like as a like he's like why don't they do this they should do this and i was like dad that'll never work <laughs> <laughs> and then uh but it's an idea i've had for years and years and then i started writing on it this year i was like oh i think maybe i could do something but it starts with that idea just some crazy like concept right and then uh and then from there, I'm like, well, then what's the story? You know, and, so, and then, then you start to hone in like, well, there's, there's a guy out there on this, the satellite living out there. And then he's looking at the past and then, and then he's the concept sort of suggests a story or a, a more human element to it. You know, it's like, well, what would it be like out there? And what would you look at if you could go back and 
look at history but not impact it you know like what things would you look at and then why would you do that mm-hmm. um so then the character and the emotion all that comes from from uh the actual setup whatever the the, the basic idea is mm-hmm. and then so it starts big and then you just kind of burrow down to you get to the to the human and then usually it's something sad or or tragic or horrible <laughs> it's how do you how do you decide if you're going to write it only write it only you know what i mean or or, or also you're going to draw it what is yeah, what makes you decide it it's a it, the older i've gotten the more I've, the more work i've been doing the the more it's uh i've been lucky enough to have enough uh, artists that i work with that that we do a we do a book and then we talk about well what's the next thing and so then I'll, a lot of times i'm just coming up with an, an idea um for a particular artist like i've been working mm-hmm. with tyler jenkins and we've just been chaining off uh books because we started with grass kings and then i had black badge which i actually was going to draw and then but we wanted to do another book together and i was like well let's just if you want to do this one i have this it's ready to go and so he kind of uh I was going to do that one and didn't. And then, um, and then, uh, and then we just kept going and then fear case was the next one. And then while we're working on fear case, we started talking about another idea. You didn't even wait to finish it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We, it's because we're working, we're talking all the time, you know? So he's like, I was like, what do you want to do next? And then he's like, I want to draw like, like uh sixties era like Huey helicopters and M sixteens and something set in like Vietnam. Like he wanted to draw that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, well I'll and then I came up with an idea that had all of those things he wanted to draw in it. And I was like, oh this is, it gave me an idea and then and so I end up sometime most of the time now I'm writing something for a particular artist. Mm-hmm. Um and with David Rubin was the same thing when we did we wrote Cosmic Detective. It was it was for him, you know, and then What's great is then when we're writing the script, it's like it's just such a better collaboration because you know who you're working with and you can kind of write it to their strengths. Or if you know they want to do something, you can kind of scratch that itch for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I've now I've found like the last year and a half or so, I've I, uh, I've been writing so much I don't have time to draw, and so I'm That's- trying to. I'm looking. I have like a I have a list of like ten new ten new book ideas. And I was like, I'm now I'm picking one that is I'm I'm going to draw it, you know. But I haven't decided which one. That I think I've decided, but then <laughs> so wishy washy. I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Uh, so we'll see. I there's like it's between two two books that I'm going to draw, but uh, I have to draw something. I just haven't drawn a book in a while. So that's that's that was, that was going to be my other question. You know, it's like you're writing so much, you maybe don't have literally don't have time to draw. But you, yeah. at least you've been able to narrow it down from ten to two, which is something, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's down to two, and then and then uh, of course I I share a studio with uh, my wife, and then Brian Hurd, who who's in here too. And I was telling him the ideas, and and I was like, it's between this and that. And he's like, uh, he's like, you shouldn't draw that one. <laughs> You're not the right artist for that one. And I was like, shut up. That's the one I wanted to draw. So now I'm, <laughs> Now I'm debating whether or not I should do that one. We'll see. <laughs> you just have, you should just have it. You should just do that one because you know they're telling you not to do it. Not anyway. I don't. know. I know. <laughs> I'm gonna do it out of spite. No, no, no. You don't tell me what to do. Like, um, yeah, yeah, I'll show you. Exactly. Just um, um, 
I, I love that you, you know, just touched the subject of, you know, writing for a specific artist and not just writing in general, because sometimes writers tend to just write and then we'll see. But if you're writing to a specific artist, you're writing to a specific strengths. Or, as you said before, with Tyler, they, what do you want to draw? Or even they yeah. come to you, you know, with the with the concept and you and you follow up with that. Do you think that when that happens, it's not writer and artist? It becomes, you know, like you you guys create a third entity with that synergy. You know, it's, it's not yeah. exactly what you thought of. It's not exactly what the artist thought of. But that third entity creates something different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it definitely happens that way. And I know, I mean, it happens all the time. And I I feel like. Uh, to me, there's no, you can't have a, there's no line between the writer and the artist in comics. Like there's always that debate of like, which one's the more important. And I was like, ah, they, you can't have one without the other. And that's why that debate will never, you'll never resolve it. I was like, mm -hmm. there's not one that's more important than the other. And then I think um, the more I've been just writer only, I, the more I try to break that barrier down all the way. Cause um, I would know, I remember working on, I was working on Bang with Wilfredo Torres and mm -hmm. and the had the first that was another one I was like I think I'm going to draw this and then I met him and I was like man nah, you you'll be better at this <laughs> so the uh, I uh so but we were working on that first book and then we'd start texting back and forth uh and then we were kicking around ideas I'm like I I was like I kind of want to do it was all based on like like eighties like action tropes and different characters and everything and then he had an idea for he's like what about we would talk, start talking about the A team and everything. And then uh, that back and forth, we ended up coming up with like uh, an idea for book two together, you know, where it's like, Oh yeah. And then, so we start kicking ideas around and everything. And then it was, it was so fun because that wasn't my plan. Like I, I, uh, I had a different idea for book two, which we're, mm -hmm. we're still going to do, but it's like, ah, oh, that's, that's more of a book three idea. Let's do this for book two. And, uh, but I try to do that with all the artists, like, a lot of my scripts, I find I'm, I'm like, maybe this or maybe that, you know, I try to give like some choice. Like I was like, I, depending on what visual they think, you know, like I, I don't dictate anything. I mean, there's certain things like character and like some dialogue and stuff. I'll, but, uh, but I really do try to get input from the artists and make them as involved, you know, because they're, they're telling the story too. Exactly. And if, and if you know them and they know you, they know what to expect and you know what they are going to like to do. Right. It makes the work easier in the end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, and honestly, we're trying to entertain each other, you know, and try to uh, uh, make each other laugh or, or impress one another. And, and, but the thing is to get to that point, it, it has to be no ego. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I think like if I'm writing, it's like, Oh, I'm the, I'm the writer or whatever. And it has to be my vision and everything. I think that's, it's a, uh, then I feel like you're making the artist a production artist, you know, mm -hmm. and I never want to do that. I've, I've drawn, I've drawn a couple of scripts where a writer wrote me a thing and I hated doing it. <laughs> and then I'll never do it again. But, um, I, I, uh, I just don't want an artist to ever feel that way. And I think having done it and knowing what that feels like, I, I, uh, it's just not, I don't want to, it's not fun to me. It's, it's not, uh, that, that's what you just told me just, made me think something is what if you just want to ambition why are you doing comics just write a novel right yeah 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 exactly and it's it's a uh, but yeah you definitely it's it's definitely an ego thing i think you you 
there's no i don't want there to ever be like some sort of power struggle or something it's like hey we're just let's have fun let's make com- we're making comics like if we're yeah. not having fun doing it then we're doing it wrong yeah you know, so. uh let me see daniel silverman says <laughs> hey david and matt matt i love either ether is it possible to have more comics about the ether verse in brackets maybe invite <laughs> other authors to explore that amazing world you created yeah i i've never i always felt like uh, every idea i have i, I have there's a beginning a middle and an end to it and so either it was always like this is what it was going to be and then uh but then but i'll say i never say never because i um i thought the same thing when i was doing mind management i was like well this is it and when that issue was done i was like that's all like if i'm going to do something they'll be in a different format. Like I did a book and record or, um, and we just did a board game that has some story elements to it. And so I always felt like if I'm going to do any more, it'll just be something weird or something to, to be creative. And, uh, but now, uh, I've came up, there's some more mind management stuff coming later in the year that that's actual comics again and everything. So I, I, uh, but I, I wasn't planning on it. It's just an idea sort of occurs to you or you get older or you get some perspective and, and things change. So um, that's the long answer is, is uh, yeah, I was like, I would never say no to more either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, uh, I hadn't really thought about it yet. Mm-hmm. But, but also it maybe is because I always ask this question. Is there something that you wrote in the past that you think, oh my God, I wish I, I could uh, write it now? because I'm much better at what I do. And that feels like, <laughs> eh. that, 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 has that happened to you in any time? You know, you want to return to that world, the ether or other world, because you feel you could do a much better work now? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't ever think, I never <laughs> feel that way. No, I, what's funny is like, I'll, I'll go back and look at work and like, especially if I've drawn it, I'm more self-conscious about the art. I'll go back and look. I'm like, oh, cause I, cause the art is more, it's easier to see like how you've grown as an artist. It's right there in front of you. With writing, I think it's a little bit more difficult to sort of pick up on that. But um, I know uh, I, every book I do, I was like, that's, that's where I was at that time. It's a little mm-hmm. time capsule of like the me that w- lived during that time and wrote that thing. And it's sort of like a, like a um, souvenir of, of who I was then. Mm-hmm. And so I would never, I never really have the, I don't ever want to go back and, make a thing better or change the thing. I was like, that's who I was then, you know, and, and I'm a different person now. So, um, yeah, I don't really like revisiting that stuff. And, and I have, like, I really have, I just, the ideas never stop coming. So it's mm-hmm. like, I, to go back and revisit a, an old idea, uh, seems, a uh, I don't know. It just seems like, well, then that's a new idea. I'm not going to have time to do. <laughs> so I, hey, George Lucas to- and Francis Ford Coppola, that's how you do it. You don't go back and redo it. You just do new yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. No, that's – it really is. It's like the, all the Star Wars is like the flaws and like sort of the crudeness of it and everything. That's the charm of it also. It's like it looks like uh, it was made in the era that it was made. In yes. 1976, it looks like it. And it should look like that. I don't think it should look different. But And then the yeah, same with all my old books. Every time I think about the Star Wars, you know, the original, not Episode Four: A New Hope. That he invented later. Just so you know, guys. But you yeah. know, the, the, when when you think, when you look at it, you know, you can you see Alec Guinness? Alec Guinness didn't give a shit, and he even said in interviews, "I didn't understand what the fuck they were doing." Uh, it has a lot of plot holes and all that. And you watch it, and you are like, "Yeah, so what's the problem?" That's how they made it. It's a product of that era. 
And I love it because of that. And then you see he tries to improve it. It's like, no, you're just making it worse. Stop. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it just becomes a... Yeah, it's the same. It's a little more difficult. One of my favorite movies is Apocalypse Now. So he keeps going back and adding yes, scenes yes. and making it longer. So, but And I, it's one of those movies that I watch like at least once a year. Um, but now I'm like, well, now which version do I watch? Because I do, I like the extra stuff in it. And, and, and I don't, uh, so I'm, I'm always like torn. I'm like, do I, and then I'm just watching the one with everything in it. Cause I just want to see it all. But yeah, I, I want to see it all. But by the end of the day, I keep thinking with that and the, the Godfather, you know, here we did the Godfather again, like for yeah. the fifth time. And it's like, no, you're not going to make it better. You're not going to do The Godfather 3, a good movie. I'm sorry, you're not. <laughs> it's like you, your, yeah. your daughter was in it. She maybe is a good director. She's not a good actress. You made a mistake there. You're not going to fix that. And then she, he changes everything. So that fixed the new version of the third one. And Apocalypse Now, just, I don't know how many versions he has of Apocalypse Now already. So Yeah, I know. I, I just bought the new set that's got all... Uh, to his credit, though, all of them are in there. Like I can watch anyone I want, but now it's now it's like, well, now I got to pick. <laughs> so <that's hard. laughs> no, I don't want to pick. I give me the original. Give me the documentary. Know, yeah. The documentary yeah. his wife shot, which is also amazing. Uh, yeah. And that's it. We don't need that. But that's the other side of it. Um, did you ever? The other side of the question I just asked. Did you ever say no to doing a project either? Because a project somebody asked you to do or something that you were creating on your own because you you thought, I'm not ready. You put it on a drawer and said, I will come back to it. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I'm trying to think. Of, I, there was a couple, there's been a couple of projects that were like work for hire things. There were a couple of things when I was at Valiant where I was like, I don't, I just, I just decided not to do it then. I, I didn't feel like the time was right or I didn't like the, I was worried about how it was going to end up. So I was like, I don't, let's not do it. And, uh, and I, and then I quit a, a thing at DC that I thought was going to be kind of a train wreck. So I was like, I don't want to do this one either. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, so I've quit a few things that are work for hire, but if it's, if it's a creator own thing that I'm doing, um, so much, I'm so deliberative about like, what I'm going to do and what I'm going to do next. That it really is like, I have that list of 10 things right now, which is really a list that's like from 40 things. Mm -hmm. So it's down to 10 and now there'll be like one that I draw and then, and then another couple that I'll try to pair with um, an artist. And then, uh, so it's, that process is so slow. And so like, whatever. So it'll end up being like, I'll get down to two and I'll be like, eh, it's one or the other. And then I'll just pick one and do that. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's not, there hasn't been a lot, only like work for hire stuff. Has there been things where, because there's more people involved, it makes me a little more cautious or it makes me nervous or I'm not sure or it's, 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 uh, things change at the last minute. I'm like, nah, I don't think so. Let's <laughs> not do it. <laughs> is it, is your, your tendency there is to do more and more great on and less and less, I hate to, the term, but you know, corporate comics. Yeah, and and I got nothing against those, but it's but yeah, I think earlier, I think earlier in my career, I was like it was fun. I was like I want to write Spider Man. Just mm -hmm. say I wrote Spider Man once, you know, and and I did that. I did a series of uh, Marco Rudy, and it turned out great. It's really crazy, and uh, and I could check that off my list. Um, just like from a nostalgia point of view, it's like mm -hmm. I grew up reading Marvel comics, so I I wanted to do some of it. Um, but yeah, the the more I did of it, the more I'm like, it becomes the same problem that I was going to have going into filmmaking is like, ah, there's too many people involved and I don't have 
full control of it. And I don't, that's not why I got into comics. I got into comics because I'm, I'm a, I'm a control freak when it comes to like the final product. Right. And which is like, it goes against what everything I said about like collaborating with an artist mm-hmm. and like you, there's no ego. Um, but I, but it's just, it's two of us and we're working towards the same goal. And, and there's something good about that. There's not, there's nothing else involved like money or like career or anything. It's all about just trying to make the coolest thing we can possibly make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, and, there's, and also there's another part that people doesn't realize, you know, when they think about, I want to do Spider-Man or Batman or Justice League or Avengers, whatever. I always tell them, if you think that's going to be easier or funnier, it's not. The more, the bigger you get into that, into that, those universes, the more control is exerted over you, the more people is involved. And the less you're a writer and the more you are a pawn. I'm not saying anything against it, guys. Let's be honest. But you got to understand that you are part of a bigger machine, right? And the bigger the books are, the bigger the machine is. So it's got to be more frustrating for you as a writer, right? Yeah, no, it's a different piece. And you know, going in, and this has always been my, my, uh, sort of advice always is like you, when you sign the contract, you, you sign the contract, you know, that's it, right? You're going to, you have to stick to it. And it's like, it's, uh, like with work for hire and everything, you sign the contract and you're, you're basically um, borrowing these characters, but they're not your characters and you, and you'll get notes that are coming from somewhere else. You know, I remember getting notes on suicide squad that uh, they were based on stuff that was going on with the movie, which I had nothing to do with and didn't know what was going on. Um, And then the notes would come down that would impact the the comic. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's crazy. (laughs) Because, but I was also like, but I also signed the contract and I knew going in, like, this isn't my, property you know it's like i'm doing it for the fun of it but um and so you do it as long as it's fun for you and then if it's not fun um don't do it you know mm-hmm. i never i never wrote anything where i i was like oh, i need i really need the money <laughs> or i need to you know i never did that i was did it and then when it stopped being fun i stopped doing it um or if i felt like it wasn't i wasn't going to be proud of the final product i would i would just not do it you know mm-hmm. um, and there's a there's a set of different muscles that you use when you work in those characters and your own characters, or it's the same muscles just used in a different way? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same muscles. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting because you, um, by the time I started writing like mainstream comics, like Marvel DC and even Valiant, you know, they, they were coming to me. I'd already done enough of my own books that they were kind of coming to me to, to sort of like put my own voice into it or do my own kind of thing um and tell the story my way in a lot of ways um so it was it was good getting the work that way where i could go in and be like hey i'm not i'm not just like a a new writer they're mm-hmm. they need they need somebody to write this thing <laughs> and they're plugging me in they're like they wanted my voice you know to a certain degree um so i, I was lucky in that regard um mm-hmm. but uh, uh yeah i don't know it, but there's there's only so much you can do and at the end of the day you you are you're using characters that have been around for years and have hundreds of issues uh, and then uh, many writers writing it. And, and so you have to be you, the box that you're working in is like, this is the character. You can't break the character. And so you try to tell a story within that uh, box, which is kind of fun. It's like, it's almost like a writing prompt, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's write a, uh, whatever, Batman story. It's like, mm-hmm. but you got to keep Batman he's got to be true to who he is. But then what story do you tell with that? 
So it's kind of a fun challenge, like a writing challenge. But um, yeah, after a while, it's like, I just kind of want to, part of the fun is like creating a character and making, making a character unique. And, and a lot of those, a lot of the bigger characters, they've been around so long. It's like, what can you possibly do? Like I, mm-hmm. Batman is a character I wouldn't write. I was like, I, if I was going to write a Batman story, it would end up not being about Batman. Cause we've, we've got so much of it already. Like, I don't know what else to explore. We, I get him, I get it. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know what I would do. That, that it would happen to me too, because I would be much more interested about telling stories about Gotham than I could be about Batman. He could be a character in the yeah. background, but you know, the, I always tell Gotham is a character. So why, why don't we explore the character? This, there's so many stories there that we haven't told because they are all focused on Batman. So yeah. let's explore the town, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, it's interesting. I wrote a, I wrote this one shot that was a Superman story that was like, and I rarely have this happen, but I, but, uh, cause I don't think about those characters like, oh, what would I do? But I had a flash story. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got a really good idea for a story with the flash because of the, his power and the ability and how it works and like what, like a day in the life of the flash, like mm-hmm. what do you do? What could he possibly do in a whole one whole day? Um, and then Annette was like, I'm never going to get that. But then I got this, uh, opportunity to write like an issue of superman and i was like oh well superman's he's the second fastest man alive mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'll just do a day i took the flash story and made it a superman story where it's the same thing where he could just do all of this stuff and like what that day is like from his point of view and and uh so that was interesting because because really superman's the same it's like what do you what can you pass what can you do that hasn't been done mm-hmm. really well already you know and i think um uh, it's just harder. I think it is harder to write characters like that because mm-hmm. they, if you're going to do a good Superman story, it's usually not about Superman at all. It's about something else. Mm-hmm. Does it, uh, does it teach you to write those characters in a way, because you said it was a challenge. Does it teach you to, to create boundaries to yourself, to not break your own characters when you create your, your own stories? Yeah. Yeah. I, every book I've ever done, I, I always, I I think I started doing it unconsciously as part of the writing process is I set up sort of these rules, mm-hmm. like an unwritten rule for myself that I'm not going to break a certain rule. And usually it's not about a character. It's usually more of like a, a structural thing or like a storytelling thing. Um, and I think uh, the first book I was conscious of it was two sisters, which is my second book. And in that mm-hmm. book, I was like, I'm going to write this story and I'm going to write it in a way that there's no, there's no cuts from one scene to the next. It's like a one continuous story. So it reads like the flow of the book is all, it doesn't like, there's no establishing shot with a new, a new location and time and jump um, and captions and be like uh, Italy, whatever the next day, there's nothing like that. It's just one long continuous stream. Um, and I, I was like, Oh, it, it was almost more of like a challenge to see like, Oh, what, what happens when you write a comic like that? Like what, can you do it? And then how do you change scenes then? Because mm-hmm. it's not just like one long scene. So how do you do it? So it helped, it forced me to figure out different visual ways to sort of show like the passage of time mm-hmm. and like the change of location. But it was, it ended up being really long. It's like a, almost like a 300 page book mm-hmm. uh, because I couldn't use captions. <laughs> um, and uh, so, but it was a, it was an interesting exercise for me to like figure out like how I was trying to push like, what can comics do or what can you do differently? Um, and every book, there's always, it ends up being like story driven or a character driven thing where I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to do, I'm not, there's not going to be any voiceover or no captions this time. Or maybe I'll do something where it's just 
where there's an absolutely zero dialogue. And I did that a lot in mind management. I did that a little more like every issue. I would try to come up with like a new kind of thing. Like there was one issue. Uh, there was an issue I did where I always wanted to do a silent issue. I don't know if I'm a huge nerd. So GI Joe issue 21, when I was yeah, a kid, yeah. it was a silent issue, right? I had, Larry Hammer, I had Larry Hammer here a couple of months ago, and I think we spent 40 minutes just talking about that issue. Oh, yeah, you could <laughs> totally talk about I, it. I love it, like, you know, like, oh, my God. Every time I watch it, like, Jesus Christ, this is amazing. <laughs> I know, right? And it's like, especially at that time in that era, it's like pushing those, bound, that, those like, formal boundaries of comics and, like, doing something in a mainstream book like that, that you didn't have to do that. Like, <laughs> that was done... Just, just to show like how cool comics can be and like, but it fit the story and he, it's ninjas and everything. So they're going to be quiet and like all the concept of that was so amazing. And so I was like, I always, I wanted to do that. And, uh, and I think, um, like a couple months earlier, uh, Brian heard Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt, they did six gun and I think they did it. They did a silent issue. And, uh, I was like, Oh man, I, I want to do a silent issue. Why? I, they did it before didn't me. think wow. of that, right? right? I didn't think. And so then I was like, I'm still going to do it. I'm just going to, I'm, you copying off GI Joe. I'm copying off you copying off GI Joe. <laughs> and their issue was great too, by the way. They weren't copying off. It was more of an homage and everything. And, uh, but I was like, I gotta, I gotta pay homage to that too. So I ended up writing this issue. There was a silent issue, but it had the most lettering, uh, of any issue I've ever done. Cause I just, my idea was to do it with thought balloons which I never use. I've never written anything with thought balloons. And I was like, oh, it's mind management. So it seemed to like conceptually made sense. So it was a whole issue. It was like a big fight scene with all these characters and they were all, it was all their thoughts. So it was all mm -hmm. only thought balloons. So technically it was a silent issue because nobody talked the whole issue, but it was all just uh, thought balloons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's another question I have. Do you see, because I don't think there is any, but uh, do you think, is there any limits to the stories you can tell in comics in terms of everything? Because I think that comics is the only art form where you can change everything to make it fit your view. And I mean, I can even change the format, the paper, the size, you know, I can change anything and it's just going to still be a comic. That's why anytime somebody asks me, is that a comic? My answer is like, does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's the other reason I got into comics because I felt like it's such a young art form. Mm -hmm. Like I love writing. Right. But I'm the chances of me like uh, making an impact in like prose writing fiction just straight up. It's going to be like, there's a thousand years of, <laughs> of writing I'm going against, you know, and, and like I've, and you, uh, it's just like, there's less ground, less new ground to be broken there. Um, and, uh, and I felt like comics is like, man, nobody's done, nobody's tapped it for its two, all of its potential yet. So yeah. I think we've, we've done things certain kinds of ways and everything, but part of the fun for me was like, how do we do it? We can make it even better. What can we mm -hmm. do that's different? You have, you have pros and you have pictures and then they can work together. They can work against each other. You can have them separate. You know, it, it, there's so much you can do that it, it was just really exciting. And I, we haven't even still scratched the yeah. surface. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's something that also discussed with uh, with Scott McCloud, and we will say the same thing. You know, every time somebody says, "Oh, you cannot do that in comics," somebody from the next generation is going to come and crush it. And every generation we have, it doesn't happen in uh, in any other art form. In comics, is yeah. every new generation just breaks it and says, "No, no, you tell me I cannot do it. Here it is. 
And yeah. the moment you do here is, you don't realize, but you, you've created five new things, not one. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And also challenges you guys as creators, right? When you see, as you said, Colin or any other partner that does something, you are like, hmm, what? You did that? Now it's my turn, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, there's like a, there's a competitive part of me too. It's not, it's not to win, right? There's no prize to win. No, it really part, is it's like part, it's part of being friends, right? Because you can poke it in the yeah. eye. I mean, it, as a friend, you can go like, "You did, huh?" Now it's my turn. You'll see. But it's not—it's not about the winning, right? It's part about the fun yeah, of creating. Yeah. No, it is. It's because I get a kick out of seeing what other creators do. I'm like, "Oh my god, I, that's amazing!" And then get you excited right. to do something else, or try to do something to top that, or do something better, or even crazier. You know, I think that that's what being part of a creative community—that's mm-hmm. the beauty of it—is it's like you push each other to like to be better and to do more and to try something different, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it's tough in comics is tough though, because you, the bar to create it is, is higher. And then mm-hmm. like, uh, because you got to be able to draw and you got to be able to write and, or you got to be able to pair with somebody that, that you can work together with. So it's, it's a little bit different uh, as far as an art form goes. I think it's, it can be more difficult in some ways. But it also pushes you to, be different, right? Be, to be different, I mean, from your own self, from uh, the same Matt writer, not Matt the person, of course, but same Matt the writer cannot be for Tyler or for Brian or for David Rubin, right? It's like, you know, you have to become a different writer because he's a different artist and you're expecting to get something different, right? So in a way, you have to mold yourself to be different writers than if you, you know, I'm a, I'm a novelist. I'm a Stephen King. I just do my thing. But yeah, if yeah. you're working with an artist, you have to think, no, I cannot write that because that's for Brian and David wouldn't like to draw it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's totally true. It's in a lot of ways, it's like you're like, I'll have an idea and then I, it's like casting, right? Like you got to mm-hmm. get the right person in the right role, you know? So there's books I wouldn't do with Tyler, you know? And there's ones that I would only do with David or, mm-hmm. or uh, um, with Fredo. It's like you, I try to pair the person with the project you know mm-hmm. like i got a bunch of ideas and then there'll be something that's like i'm just going to draw it because <laughs> i want it to be and those are the ones i want it to be exactly how i see it you know like other ones it's fun to collaborate and then have the artist bring in something but there's a few books they're just personal to me that if i'm drawing it, it's because it has to be a certain way mm-hmm. <laughs> and i don't want to i don't want to be a dictator <laughs> makes sense you just said before that comics is a really young art form, but for some people, including myself, we think it's the oldest art form because you know every time I look at the yeah. caves, at the caves, the cavemen, you know what I see, you know throwing the spears, running, you know with they're throwing like four arrows at the same time, or you see eight legs. They're trying to tell a story. They're trying to, to tell, tell a comic in a way. So how yeah. important do you think it's for for you as a creator to use pattern recognition? I mean to let the reader. This is Batman, you know, shape, ear, goal. Mm-hmm. We know who it is. We don't need to, you know, draw the whole thing. People is going to understand. How important is it for you as a creator to say less is more, let's give the reader space so they fill the, uh, in the gaps? Yeah, no, it, it's interesting because I think uh, a lot of what you have to consider is like the reader's expectation, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like I think there's a level of art that most people or most comic book readers, right, They they want – they want it a certain way or they'll flip through it. And it's like, ah, they'll just put it down. If it's, if it, there's not a level of detail there or, or a style mm-hmm. that they're, 
they're expecting or wanting, you know, and then they just won't get them to pick it up. And, uh, and I think that's, that's always the push and pull, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, uh, it's like you want, uh, like my, I, uh, I don't like a lot of detail, but I also do like a lot of detail. Like I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Jeff Darrow and everything. So I, I yep, love that. Like I, I eat that up, you know, but at the same time, um, like I think Darwin Cook was amazing at like mm -hmm. stripping it down to the, to the minimum, almost the, as little as possible, especially the, the Parker books he did and everything. I was like, there's, there's some pages where there's hardly any line there. It's just like a, and it's just amazing. Um, and then honestly, like Chris Ware does it, did it really well too. He would have like really detailed drawings and then he'd have things that were just like stick figures, you know, it's, it all works. It just depends on what the story is. Um, and I think that's the thing I'm trying to push is like, I think, uh, comic readers, um, I would love for that to expand where it's like you're more open, open to different styles, you know, and it's yeah. like start reading it and then, and then, once you're into the story, the art and the words, they sort of, they sort of, uh, suck you in and, and the art kind of disappears after a while. Um, if it's done well, you know, it doesn't make you stop and look at every panel. It, it makes you keep turning the pages. And that's, that's the kind of art I like. In a way, in a way, it's not talking down to your reader, right? Just expecting that your reader is going to get it and you're going to be able to change the art in a way, you know. Somebody's thinking you're, you're telling a story and suddenly we are in the mind of a child and you start drawing, you know, in a more childish style and you know, the right, the, 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 the reader is going to, is going to follow it, right? They're going to understand it. So you have to trust your reader to take, to take some risk, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's to me, the best example is David Mazzuccelli, who I was a fan of when he was drawing Daredevil, right? That's how I learned about him. You know, he's the Daredevil, um, born again. Born again is like yeah. one of the best superhero books ever you know and uh and so you, i followed him i was like god this guy he's my favorite artist you know and then he and then he went and did rubber blanket mm -hmm. and so i was so excited i was like oh here we go Robert, it's all david mazzuccelli and i got the first issue it's really big cover looks cool and i i opened it up i was like what is going on <laughs> it's like it's just like it's like he was painting with the end or brushing with the other end of the brush it was real chunky and rough and then uh and this is me and like I don't know what year it was, but I was like, I was young. I was still a teenager, you know, I was coming off of Daredevil. Daredevil is what I, I was still, that was my favorite book. And so he comes out with Robert Blanket and I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> what yeah. happened to his, and then, uh, and then I was like, oh, and then I started reading it. And then you start to realize like this, the art is for the story. It's not mm -hmm. to look, you know, he's not trying to impress you with it. He's trying to, he's trying to tell a, a great story and make you feel it and try these different things. And then I think that was the first time where I was like, Oh, this is, I'm just immature in my uh, view of what art is, you know? And then by the time I got to art school and took a ton of art history and then you, you just start to broaden your horizons. You, mm -hmm. That's like my favorite thing. Like that late, late stage, late stage Mazzuccelli is like mm -hmm. some of my favorite stuff, you know, but it's yeah, all it's about crazy. the storytelling. It's crazy. I see every time I see some new Masuka, you're like, oh, there's the old black Batman. Yeah. Then rubber blanket, then city of glass. Then, you know, yeah. and all the way you get until a, a serious polyp and you are like, every time they're like, just amazed. Like, okay. Again and again and again. Every time she does something is just, how can he keep, keep still getting better and different and, 
and you know and create new ways of of uh, doing comics, right? Yeah, yeah, no, and that's what to me that's what it's about. It's comics isn't about like pretty pictures; it's about storytelling. So yeah. to me, like the art needs to be telling the story, and it's and if, even if you go back and look at the Daredevil stuff, I'm like it's rendered realistically, but the storytelling is so good, and like mm -hmm. you, just like the what, and I know he he wasn't writing it, but it's still just the the picking of the moments to show and the the panel transitions and everything it's it's all it's all just as good like mm -hmm. in a way there's in a way there's always the urge to tell stories that makes you a comic creator right and not any other, other creator you have to tell the stories and you have to be in the polls but what do you think about what do you think about sorry let me rephrase that How important is for you the silence? How important is for you in comics? Those moments that, yeah, that, those moments where we are in a in a high, and then we need those moments of silence to reflect, to stop, and get the reader to really go in depth into into what you're telling. Yeah, no, it's it's a uh, those are my favorite moments, right? Like, and you kind of need those little beats. And I, I, uh, if there's an editorial note, I'm always fighting, or whenever I'm working with uh whatever uh work for hire stuff and and then uh i i'm always fighting for the silent panel you mm -hmm. know it's like no 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 we don't need we don't need a line here or whatever let the art do the let the art do the storytelling um and uh it's a and i it's a joke between me i work with warren simon's a lot on, mm -hmm. uh, we're doing the bad idea books and then we worked at valiant for years yep. and so it's our joke now like he he's a the best editor I've ever worked with, you know, as far as like story and like, and he really digs down and like, and like we work hard and like, I consider him like a true, a collaborator as much as the artist in a way, you know, like we talk story ahead of time and then, and then mold the thing. And, and, uh, but then on my joke is I was like, I'll have a silent panel. I was like, we're not, don't put a line in there. We're not putting a line in there. <laughs> and he'll laugh. He's like, I'm not, we're not, I'm not asking you to, <laughs> but, uh, It's funny. So I'm always fighting for like those beats because it is, you want to let the, like the magic of comics is like the story and the words or the the art and the words, you know, mm -hmm. and like the way they mix together. And sometimes you just take the words out. I, I fear the fear case when I was writing with Tyler, I, I don't know why I overwrote the whole thing. Like I, there was so much dialogue. It was really that dialogue driven book. And then I went through and I just stripped out like, I know it's still really heavy with dialogue, but I stripped out like half of it. <laughs> I was like, it's too much. Like his art is so atmospheric and great. I was like, I just wanted to get the letters off the page to like give the, give the book atmosphere. You know, mm -hmm. it's like the more words I had on there, the, the worse it was. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, guys, on Friday, Warren Simons, he just mentioned, and Dinesh Sand Sandasani from uh, previously Valiant, now Bad Idea. So don't miss it. Um, and how important are page turns for you? Yeah, they're really important. I write everything around them. You know, you try to get the beats right. And there's nothing worse than having you're writing the thing out or you're, you're, I usually start with an outline and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I actually start scripting it. And then I'm like, oh, dang it. It's on the, <laughs> it's like the thing, the page turn is on the odd page. So it's going to be on the right side. And so then, I do everything I can to like, okay, is there something I can move or shift? I'm constantly moving things around to get the page turn right. And uh, so, yeah, it's always a concern. 
let me go back to the people here. So Dan Fletcher says, I know I'm just seven years late to the party, but I just read the Star Wars Rebel Heist. Awesome book. Loved it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dan Fletcher says, mind management with David Rubin. Right? Right? I don't, how does he know that? That's not, that may or may not be true. I, I can't deny it or confirm it. <laughs> not I will say that no, there's no lawyers here, so nothing. Yeah, is, yeah nothing no, I think he tweeted to... something out. Somebody guessed it on Twitter. He tweeted something out that was just enough of a clue, but man, he did a cover. He did maybe the best cover I've, I've ever seen. Like a couple last week, he turned a cover in for something. This mystery project, <laughs> and, and it was so good. I was like, "Oh my god, this is why this is why I'm not drawing it. Like I can't do what he's doing right now." Uh, and it's so good, but yeah. Well, Rebel Heist, the Star Wars book, is is a uh, something they asked me to do, and then I turned it down. I was like, "I don't want to do Star." Like I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. Like my first memory, my earliest memory is going to see Star Wars in the theater. I was like three or four years old, and I remember it in a. I was like, I don't want to mess. I don't want to have a bad experience working on Star Wars because of editorial or this or that. And, and, uh, and with continuity and everything, I was like, I just don't want to, I don't want to, I want to just be a fan. And then, so I turned that job down and then, yeah. The original LP from when yeah, the movie was released. I, I have, I have that too. <laughs> and, uh, did you buy, they had a re-release. Did you see this? There was a new one. They had like the hologram thing in the middle where like if you shine a light on it like your phone light and it, when it's spinning it makes like a 3d uh millennium falcon or tie fighter I can't what remember. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's no, really no, cool no. it's this insane is this is the original yeah, yeah. anyway so you yeah. you know what i'm talking about well that's why i didn't want to i was like ah, i don't want to be i don't want to put myself in it right like that's something that is like a what childhood thing where it's like i just want to i want to be a fan of it and then then the then the next day I was like, I was in the shower and I was like, Oh, what would I have done though? Like, like if I was going to do it, what would I do? And then I thought of this idea and I was like, Oh man, maybe, maybe I will do it. And so then I ended up emailing back like a couple of days later. I was like, Hey, I have an idea. I'll, I'll do it. If I can do this idea, which is basically writing a star Wars story, but from the point of view of like, this is a regular first, like a stormtrooper or like another character, a rebel, like a generic rebel guy, but writing it from their point of view, working side by side with or interacting with like Han Solo and Chewbacca and Princess Leia. And then, um, was it Luke the last one? I can't remember. It's been a while, <laughs> but, but the idea, yeah, Luke was the last one. And, uh, but with the idea that I'm writing then from my point of view, so, uh, like the generic rebel guy is me. It's like, what's it like? Or like the stormtrooper interacting with Chewie, um, and like, Oh, what would that be like? And I was like, Oh, I think Chewie would kind of smell. You kind of smell bad. So like, it gave me all this, like this fun way to be like, I was like in, I was walking around in star Wars and I'm like, Oh, this is a, Han Solo. so cool. <laughs> and uh, Princess Leia is the best. And it let me write it from that point of view as a fan. It was like really just like super fan fiction. <laughs> and, uh, and they, they let me do it. And, and so it was really fun. I got to kind of be in star Wars, but I was more of, I felt like I was an observer. Mm-hmm. Just like, like looking at it and like sort of like highlighting the stuff that I like or the things I thought were cool. But how how much fun was that? It was so fun. Do it that way. Yeah, yeah, it was so fun. I was like, can I do cover? I got to do variant covers and everything, and I'm like, it was just there was no interference. Like there there was only one little continuity thing because they had to. 
it was a heist. So it's like, well, what are they going to get? I didn't want to get into continuity, but I, the idea was that the, and this is a spoiler, but it's been out for a while, but the spoiler, the heist was for those, um, shield generators on Hoth. Those like round. And I had the toy of those. I had these little, the, they had these little metal die cast figures and I had the toy for those. And I was like, Oh, what if that's how they have to get those things? They have to get the shield generators. So the whole story was like stealing the pieces of that to put mm-hmm. it together. So they have the shields on Hoth. Um, and that was like my fun little nerd moment. Pedro Mercader says, hello, everyone. Matt, what process do you follow in screenwriting? I guess his scripts. Do you approach the same way the books you draw and the books you don't? Um, no, it's totally different. <laughs> with the, if I'm drawing it, I, I tend to just have, I have an outline with page breakdowns of like the action that's happening. Um, and then I'll, I'll have a little bit of dialogue written in uh and then i'll just draw the whole thing and as i draw it i'll add pages or move things around um and then go back and then do the dialogue and everything after it's all done mm-hmm. but i have it it's all kind of running in my head but i don't bother typing it up because it's just for me so mm-hmm. i don't i'll just do that and then it's and then it actually changes more i do a lot of my writing while i'm drawing it because it's i'm it takes so long to draw but i'm just thinking about it and i'm like oh I'll write little notes to remind myself. Um, so yeah, but then for an artist, I'll I'll do a whole the full script and then, and then describe everything. And I'll put like photos in there for photo reference if there's like a visual idea I have. And and then I'll have like sometimes I'll have options. I was like this or this or what about this? <laughs> you know, so I have like little branching options uh, for the artist. Um, And then he said screenwriting. I don't know. I did write two screenplays this year based on a couple of my books. Um, and that process is, uh, totally, totally different. <laughs> It's really different. Like I write very detailed outlines with every scene broken down and a little bit of dialogue and then, and then go back through and then, and then, uh, and then write the whole thing. And then, but it's so much less description. Like it's in a way it's, It's uh you're not describing hardly anything. It's almost all dialogue driven. You know, it's a little bit of like this, this, this happens, but it's, it's as minimal as you can make it. Like it's, it's almost like a, like writing a screenplay is almost like it's the difference between writing a prose novel and writing a book of poetry. So you're, you're, you're really choosing your words because you have the strict page count. You know, it's got to be 120 pages to two hours. And so you have that strict page count. So you're using every word as, carefully as you can because you don't any extra line is like you need it you know Mm -hmm. um and so it's it made me be much more efficient in like what i described and how i described it and then and also like uh it's the same applies with uh dialogue the dialogue you get more of it i feel like there was more chance for dialogue and back and forth and everything we're in comics if you do that it's just like talking heads and it's boring Mm -hmm. um so that was a little bit fun a little bit different How many drafts do you have to make with of every script? Oh my god, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to look. I don't want to look. I <laughs> the 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 first one is the hardest, you know, because all, honestly, I was also learning like a new format. Like I had oh, to yeah. format it the right way, and so then and then that condensing and that being careful with word choice that I didn't come. I didn't like. I didn't start out knowing that. Like I had to learn it over draft after draft after draft. Um, but I was working with a really good producer who's really patient and like sort of, uh, gave me very honest feedback, you know, I was like, you know, and it just really helped. And so by the end of it, I was like, Oh, the next one, 
will be twice as fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Congratulations on the Berserker Netflix thing. Was it planned to be adapted since the beginning? No, you know, we never talked about it. And I, I talked to Keanu and he's like, and then, and then the questions he would get, it was like, we're working on the comic, you know, and then even now we're still working on the comic that's happening kind of in the background, you know, but we're still drafting like the final, the final four issues and everything and, and working on the outline. Um, we had an idea and now we're kind of, and we have a better idea. So we're, uh, and which always happens, like it's such a long project. So you're, working on it towards this goal and we're like oh this is and so we're always um revising as we mm -hmm. go um uh, but yeah there's we 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 never approached the project and then that was one of the reasons why i was interested in doing it I was like oh, he's into comics you know and he wants to make this a good comic and i assume him being who he is i was like i know that's probably going to happen at some point right like that's probably why and this is it was probably and this is just me guessing it's probably an idea where it's like it's hard to get things made like in he had an idea, he had a really good idea and a really personal had a really personal idea you know and it's like what better medium to do it in than comics where nobody's interfering with it you know we have unlimited budget because it's 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 art right so we can do anything make it as big or as small as we want no one no one is bothering us um and just tell the story how, exactly how we want to tell it and then mm -hmm. and then let the other end of it Uh, figure itself out mm -hmm. when we get there. And the question that you've been asked a million times, probably, I'm not, I'm not messing with you, Pedro. That's a good question. Is how was it to write with Keanu? It's, it's good. It's still good. We're still writing. We're, we, uh, he's all the good story, all the nice things you, everyone says, or whatever. It's like that times that you don't even know. I can't even tell you how, how good it's been, you know, in, in, uh, he's just such a good collaborator and like super invested in it. And um, and uh, we go over every line of dialogue, every every panel description. You know, like it's a uh, it's intense. You know, because he's not he's not just putting his name on it. Like he's he's so involved. Like he's so hands on. That it's just like we have these long emails, and and it's like back and forth. Or uh, um, he'll t text me an idea and be like, Hey, what this? What about this? And I'm like, All right, I'll put it on our list of ideas for the for the end. <laughs> and uh, And we're just constantly working on it. So it's like, it's super intensive. And, uh, and I can't tell you like how much fun it is. It's, it's, uh, I've only other, I've only collaborated with one other writer, like Jeff Lemire is the only mm -hmm. other guy I've collaborated with on writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, and it's, it's fun. If you, I've only, I've had two collab writing collaborators and they've both been amazing, you know, so I don't know that it's always that way, but it's when you get it, it's just, It's like, it's like hanging out with your friend and like cooking up like fun ideas and like trying to entertain each other. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a uh, unique. How do you divide the work with Jeff? Now that you mentioned it, this, who takes care of what? Or is it just whatever <clears throat> happens? Yeah. We, we usually sit, we've done it a couple of times and like our usual process is we sit down and then we just like cook up an idea like, Oh, what about this? What about that? And then one of us will be typing sort of type off a rough outline like as we go or we'll just talk about it and then one of us will type it up an outline of what we talked about and then send it to the other um and then we just have like this big outline of like all of it and then we'll break down the scenes and we'll kick that back and forth so we're just kicking back an outline back and forth and then um with the valiant 
uh, and with Cosmic Detective, like the, what we end up doing is once the outline is set and we sort of have a rough, we have an, a list of all the scenes we're doing, then we just sort of split them up. With the Valiant, we, I think we cherry pick the parts that we wanted to write. And so like, you write that, you'll write that. And we just try to balance it out. So we're doing it equal. And then with Cosmic Detective, we did it a little different where he, um, uh, I was like, well, you write, he, I think he wrote the, I can't remember who started it. I think he wrote it first. I remember he wrote, he wrote the first scenes and then sent it to me. Cause I remember I was really busy at the time. I was like, oh my God, I can't, now the ball is in my court and I gotta, I gotta continue. <laughs> I gotta write the next part, but I was having trouble getting to it. And then I finally did. I was like, okay, good. I'm going to sit. And so I wrote, I wrote the next couple scenes and then I left him with like a cliffhanger and then sent it back. And then he would write the next part and then send it back. And then just over the course of a year or so, we would just kick it back and forth. Um, and it was, it was fun because we had the outline, but also it, it was fun to sort of throw in like crazier stuff and like sort of like turn up the volume on some things. And that's then, what I was going to ask. Did you guys keep, uh, did you guys keep, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Did you guys keep sending curveballs to the other? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we would. It was, a, it was almost like we were trying to entertain the other person, right? Like I'm like, Oh, this is going to be, you're going to love this part or whatever. This is, here's a little twist. Or, or you end it in a way that's like, now what do I do with that? You know, it's like, I know where we're going, but like, how do I? So it, it was a, it was really fun. It was a different way to write it. And then, and then we got all that done. It was like a big Frankenstein thing put together. And then we go back through and then we sort of smooth out the, the, the seams, you know, and, and uh, make it work as a whole. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was like, it was like a, I don't know. It was, it was almost more like a game. Like that a fun game you're playing with a friend, yeah. That was the next question. Did it become a puzzle for you guys, like a board game and you had to solve it after all the right? Yeah, no, yeah that the outline was all done. So it wasn't it was almost more like a coloring book where we just had fun. I'm like, ah, I'm gonna put this crazy <laughs> color in there. <laughs> then, but uh yeah, it was okay. fun. Richard Logan says, Love the ENIAC series. Where did uh he did the get the idea from? It was straight up history. I think I was researching some art, uh, AI stuff. I think it, it might have happened when I was, um, God, I don't know what book I was working on. I was looking at like first computers and artificial intelligence. And like one of the first computer was ENIAC was a real thing. Like if you look on Wikipedia, it's, I can't remember what, this is terrible. I have a, ENIAC stands for something. It's like something, something computer. <laughs> it's like the first <laughs> computer. Um, but uh, I was like, oh, that's when I was reading about it. I was like, that'd be a great idea. Like what if, It really was like, that's how all ideas, it's like this, but like, oh, but what if, what if they programmed it with everything? What if it was really big? And what if they, there was all these punch cards and tubes and everything. I was like, what if they just hired like an army of, of um, people to input everything they could possibly input into it. And then it, it was like the first AI. And then that was kind of the idea. Then like, how did it impact world history from World War II or like when it was invented to present day, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, so that was the idea. But then I also wanted, I was like, eh, I don't, we've seen, I've seen the story of like killer AI or AI that turns on humans or I was like, I didn't really want to, I didn't want to do that. So it, this is a book that looks exactly like that. And it's not at all that, mm -hmm. <laughs> but let me get to the end. Okay. Uh, Claudio Stasi says, what a great creator. Praise for you, Claudio. You're also an amazing creator, just so you know. Uh, Nico Rodriguez. Hi, Matt. What kind of brush? Inking tools did you use for the lines on mind management? I love how they flow with the watercolors. Yeah, uh, with the uh, mind management, I used this 
this the number two sable haired it was like a round brush and i i went through so many of those because brushing on or inking on watercolor paper the paper's so rough that it starts to like dull kind of dull the brush mm-hmm. and so I've, i don't I have no idea how many of those i went through but i just you you do these one after a while you couldn't get the thin lines anymore so that became like the filling in the black brush and then i start a new one um and so i use that and i think towards the end i i found these sort of japanese uh, uh brush pens and they're not pen they're refillable so you can buy these little cartridges that the, refill. The, the pentos? i don't know what they're there's no it's all japanese right on it so i have no idea what they're actually called okay. but if you go to, jet, <laughs> go to jetpens.com and type in uh, brush pens you'll, you'll find them they're just they're plastic they look mm-hmm. cheap they seem like disposable and uh and i started using the conventions i was like oh I'll take these conventions and try them out like, these are pretty good and in the nylon tips they don't wear out either so they end up being what i switched to because they're refillable and they don't wear out and uh and they end up being great they look like cheap pieces of junk but they're actually like really good they hold the lines really well and uh and you can ink faster because you're not dipping and putting in your the ink's already in there and uh the other trick though was like i've never been able to find a pen like that because they make they make tons of brush pens but they're not always waterproof and so like painting over the top of it was always a problem mm-hmm. you know but these are water they ended up being waterproof too so they were perfect so those ones saved you from committing suicide for deciding what did i decide to do this <laughs> with the what goes on that yeah thing? no it's, it didn't really save me by i got by the time i got done with my management issue 36 I was so burned out. I was like, I got to take, I took a couple months off of just everything. I was like, I can't, I'm so tired. Cause you, it was like 24 pages plus covers, back covers every month for three years. It was, uh, it was a lot. <laughs> even, even writing, you even, you even need, you even needed those months to out of writing. You know, like, I yeah, just I, I knew the, yeah, I was like, I needed just some time off from doing anything like thinking about it was, drive me a little bit crazy but it was, yeah, I, I was doing other i was writing other books while i was doing my management too it wasn't the only thing i was writing so it was uh whatever i was i think that's i hit it was a, just the right time in my life where i was still young enough i could pull it off you know and then uh but then young enough to uh learn the lesson that don't ever do that don't do a monthly book all by yourself ever again yeah did you were, were, at that time were the other books you were writing also uh, like a like a lifeboat you know when you could get away from mind management for a while and say i'm going to change the pace focus my mind on something else no, no. <laughs> they were i remember going to bed there was a time where i was writing i was doing my management i was writing a book for marvel and a book for dc and i would go to bed at night and close my eyes to try to sleep and then my brain was just like spinning because i had to come up with like plots for like the the next issue or whatever or that or figure it out and i was like and i kept jumping i remember one night in particular i kept jumping from like a marvel book to dc book but i was worried about my management at the same time and uh i I can't i'm having trouble sleeping (laughs) so i was like that's too many i'm doing too many books uh-huh. And, uh huh. So then I started to slowly I scaled back and everything. But honestly, mind management was like the that was like the the lifesaver in a way because I would I would write like six issues at a time and then and then just being able to like ink and turn my brain off for a while or paint mm-hmm. for like a couple of days in a row with nothing else that helped me uh, sort of relax. Mm-hmm. Uh, process question: When you 
uh, you know, for you, do you need sound to work or do you uh, need everything to be quiet or it depends on the parts of the process? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I What's funny is like some days I'll get in and I'll start working. I'll forget to play music. Uh, and then I'll just be silent all day. And then other days I've, I'll be like, oh, I'll mess around. I'll play music and then uh, and just hear it all day. It doesn't matter. Like all that's, everything melts away. Like there's nothing around me. When I'm writing, it's like I don't pay to, I don't notice anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can, my wife's always like, how can you write and then have those mirror, uh, music with lyrics and everything? I was like, oh, because I don't, I don't know. I don't listen to the lyrics. <laughs> I yes. don't hear anything. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, that's why I don't like to, um, I don't like to write when I'm traveling or um, somewhere out because, because it's like a, I feel like it's a wasted, um, experience because of, then I'm just, dis- I kind of disappear, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just feel like I dissolve and I'm in the story and then that could be anywhere. So I might as well just be at home. So I try not to write when I'm, I'm out somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I always, you know, I'm always asked about that and I always say, I need the sound, but it's not, as you said, it doesn't matter if there's lyrics or not. It's cacophony. It's like I am yeah. the fifth. I am the fifth of five brothers, as you can imagine. My yeah. my parents' yeah. apartment was fucking loud, you know. Yeah. So if there's any time where it's no no sound at all around me, I always think you know like Jack from the signing is going to come behind my back, you know, trying to kill me. <laughs> like there's no sound. Something weird is happening. Does that happen to you too? You know, if there's absolutely no sound, you are like, okay, this is weird. Something wrong is happening. Yeah, yeah. No, I it, it honestly once I start, it doesn't. Silence doesn't bother. Nothing bothers me. It doesn't. It's uh. There's you nothing. You get in the zone in that, and it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. No, it is too. And then my and uh. Yeah, my wife will say something to me too, and I'm like, I don't, you must have told me while I was writing because I didn't hear anything. That yeah. happens. It's, that happens a lot to my wife too. You know, during lockdown, she was working there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and every time she got in the zone with the work, uh, I could talk to her, and it was like first she didn't hear. And when yeah. she heard, I could look at her face like, she's not really listening. So I could ask her in like 30 minutes, no clue. Because she was, yeah. you know, completely focused and, and I could. And I am the opposite. But with her, she's in the zone, like, don't ask me when I'm in the zone because I'm not going to remember what we discussed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she, my wife, knows, she knows now or whatever. She can tell when my eyes are like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, but uh, it's neat. But that's part of the the best part of writing to me. There's also that where it's like I'm just I'm inhabiting this world with these characters and it's like you're it's like a the craziest kind of escapism like Absolutely. like a it's like a virtual reality in a way where you're wandering around and just describing what you're seeing mm-hmm. and we don't need the glasses just so you know we live in our world yeah, yeah. without need the glasses it's called imagination yeah. you bastard <laughs> anyway um, what is it. For if I ask you comics and storytelling, what is it for you? Is it rock and roll? Is it jazz? Or is it a symphony? What would you say? Uh, jazz. I guess I'm a big jazz fan. So I, uh, uh, yeah, I'd say that. I one of my favorite sequences is in Cages. Dave McKean's Cages is where the there's an issue where the guy is just in this nightclub and he's I can't remember what he's even talking about. And then but the the way he laid it out in the story, he's like it's just this guy talking in this underground nightclub and he. And he lights this match and he blows it out and that's the end of the issue. And I was like, that's it for me. Like the, that, uh, the pacing of that and everything. And it's a little bit jazzy, but literally jazzy. But, um, yeah, it's, 
improvising, you know, is, is what it is for me. It's not, there's like a structure, but then within that structure, there's, there's places where you just make stuff up as you go along, you know, and then I, in the writing, but also like the art for me is like, I don't, I don't pencil really tight. Cause I, I want to have, when I'm inking it, I don't want to be bored. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost like, uh, yeah, just, I, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not just chasing the lines. It's like, I want to have a little bit of excitement of like, Oh man, I don't want to mess this up, but what should I do here? And, and sort of, uh, keep me, uh, keep my brain going, you know, mm-hmm. while I'm inking it. And so I, I, uh, and also like, I think if you, if you overwork art, like you can tell when it's over, an artist overdoes it. Like the pencils are always the best stage because that's where all the action and the life of it is. Yeah. You know? And then a lot of inkers or when you're inking your stuff, you just kill the life out of it. Like, cause it's so precise. And so, uh, whatever you just lose that energy. Um, and I try to keep that. <laughs> you want, but as a creator, you always want to keep it alive, right? Sometimes you just overwork it. And you realize the next day you see the page and you're like, oh my God, why did I do work? Why did I overwork it so much? When yeah. the pencil stage, as you said, was a lot more alive, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's funny, like my, what's great about working in the studio, like I share it with Brian and my wife too, and then, and then they'll come by and look, and then looking at a piece while you're working on it. And I can't tell you how many times when my, my wife has been like, stop. <laughs> stop right there <laughs> i was like no 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 i want to do it she's like no 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 it's done you just don't know it's done yet so uh but it's great to have that second set of eyes and i do the same thing with brian well we uh like my favorite st- his pencils are so great and i was like don't don't you ink don't over ink that <laughs> don't you do it and then my favorite stuff of his is we do these little five by seven watercolors where he'll look pencil and he does this loose uh pen lines and it's like my is my favorite art of his you know it's like it's the quickest thing you can do and it's it, but it's like there's so much energy in those that it's uh i just want him to keep doing that but again that's that goes back to like expectations of the reader right like mm-hmm. readers expect a certain level of detail and sort of polish and finish to it and and that's the thing i'm always fighting against i'm like no ah, you the if you could have seen this stuff in the penciled stage when it still had like this real energy to it that's that's the stuff, you know, it's like, yeah, there's not as much detail, but it's like, it's just better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tito James asks you, what's the best piece of, piece of storytelling advice you've ever gotten? Uh, gosh, I guess the the best one is like kind of a, uh, standard advice for anything is like start the scene late and end it early. <laughs> is that right? Or did I get it wrong? Yeah. Yeah. You want to start it at the, uh, late so you're already in it and then end it before you don't let it keep going on so that's probably the best storytelling advice mm-hmm. uh also on cosmic detective tito asks how do you script creative paneling sequences david is known for his use of creative paneling yeah yeah we don't <laughs> we just like david i i we both have worked with david in the past so you kind of know i was like here's the it's five panels but i i think he posted it a screenshot of the script on one of the pages where they're like, Hey, this is, but this is, do what you do here. You know, like (laughs) it's always to me, the panel descriptions and the panel counts are always suggestions, especially for David. because it's like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to, I want him to do that, you know, but I don't, I'm not going to write a 20 panel page for him because, uh, 
I'm not a horrible human being, (laughs) but I was like, if you want to draw a 20 panel page, I'm not going to, I'm going to let you do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, I I think it was Kelly Sue who told me that, you know, every time there's, there's been no time where she sent the script to Emma, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. like every time I send like two or three panels and I've never, never gotten any page that is not, at least, you know, double the panels that I put on the page. Yeah. So it's like, I've never put on those many panels. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. It was her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't do that. I do. I tend to run long on my panels, though, depending on, like, the format, what the book is, and how many pages. I, I uh, That's something I've been sort of debating lately, too, or talking about with other creators. Is like, how many panels on a page? Like, I... Some artists, they don't want, they want three panels on a page and they want to just do big. And, uh, but I'm like, I, I tend to prefer, I'm from like the Will Eisner school of like, I want a lot of panels telling the story. Like I want to show, see the action happening and everything and get the, the sequential art part of it. You know, I think a lot of modern comics, like the thing I don't like, it doesn't suck me in is like, uh, it almost is like an illustrated story rather than sequential art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's the line where I like I I do want to write more panels because I want to see I want to see a little inset or a little action here or there and uh, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, modern comics it's a lot of them just turn me off because I'm like eh there's not it's cool drawing but it's not like sucking me into the storytelling mm-hmm. and that's also a part of uh, using the tools okay let let me go straight to it my crazy theory that I always say, and you can send me to hell if you don't agree. It's like comics is the only art form that can defy Einstein's theory of relativity because we control time and space in a way no other art form can. I mean, this is a movie. The Arrow of Time, this is a novel, The Arrow of Time. They can use flashback, whatever, but it always feels, you know, like out of place. But in comics, you can control using, you know, the panel shapes, which is another great part of using panels and not just go for the big one. You're controlling yeah. time because of the shapes, you know, and the sizes. But also you can, you know, just do this and you just told something has happened or a moment had on, and you can go the Watchmen way, which I always say, sorry if I'm running long. Page, issue one, a page, Laurie's in the background. And then in issue five, we see her in the foreground and we realize, we realize wait, that's exactly the same moment. They told mm-hmm. us on issue one from her perspective. And you know it without Alan or Dave, you know, saying a word about it. It's just there. They laid it for the reader to see. What do you think about that, about the control we have of time and space in comics? Yeah, no, I, I think that's, a, to me, that's a, the best comics. That's what makes them the best comics is like not, it's not even necessarily the, or if, at least for me, it's like I, I want a story where like I need to go if I go back and reread it, I get something new out of it. Right, like my yeah. favorite movies are the movies where I have to rewatch them. And every time I watch it, I get something new out of it. And comics is the same way. And I think that if you have a twenty page comic with two or three panels on a page, most uh, I was like, Yeah, there's not a, what is what's there, you know, like I get it. I get the story. It took me ten minutes to read it and even if I read it again, I was like there's nothing new there. Mm-hmm. Um that's why I, I I really strive to write comics. I want to make comics like that, where it's like you, like there's a little, to me, I, I call them little time bombs, right? Like, so it's like a thing. I set this thing and it's ticking. And like, you may not, you may not, it may not blow up when you're done reading it. It may not blow up like the second time through the third time through. You're like, Oh my God, <laughs> but 
this thing's going on and I didn't notice it until this time. So it's like, mm-hmm. I try to, you try to plant those in everything uh, to reward repeat viewing. You know, it's like a, like a, a lot of things. One is like comics are expensive and it's like, yeah. I don't want you to read a thing in 10 minutes and then be done. I'm like, you could get more out of the TV. There's so many things we're competing with television and movies and video games. I'm like comics, there has to be a reason why you're going to, spend money on this thing and then spend time with it if it's if it's 10 minutes of your time that's like that doesn't seem worth it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but but if it's a thing where i'm like like you maybe sense that you don't you didn't get it all the first time and then you go back and look at it um, that's my those are my favorite comics and, you know that's mm-hmm. kind of i'm trying to make because i think that's that's the future of comics really it's not they're not storyboards for movies you know there's some they're their own thing and it's and it can do so many things with time and place and like and like the and then the beauty of it is like uh you don't as a creator you don't have total control over over the reader and like yes, they're yes, an yes, active yes, participant yes, you know <laughs> you yeah, read my they, mind. that was going to be the next question <laughs> yeah right because you the movies are your passive observer you're you're you are you are on that ride and you're not getting off of it like unless you close your eyes and turn away you're not getting off where with comics it's like you the reader is such a part of it where they're like, they can go back and look, you know, or they can pause, you know, and then if it's two pages and you didn't do the page turn, right. They already, they already see the thing down here, whether they (laughs) wanted to or not, you know, so that's why that is important. Um, So there's things you can do to manipulate that. And, but I think you forces you as a creator to be a little more uh, subtle or be a little more creative and like, uh, and I, I tend to uh, give the reader a lot of credit, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I, the, you're gonna you'll work to figure it out you know and it the comic should work the first time through if you're reading it in 10 minutes it should work that way you should yep. have been entertained yep. and you get it but i i want i always want to do a book where like you get it where you're like i don't think i think maybe i missed something or maybe feel like a little paranoid like ah, i don't something's going on here and i don't quite mm-hmm. get it you know alan mora always made me feel that way watchman i read that so many times because i was like some, there's more going on here. Yes. Like, it's not just this, you know, mm-hmm. and then it would make me, I would go back and reread it then. I'm like, oh my God, this other thing, you know, the Rorschach issue where it's like uh, parallels itself. Yeah. I was like, that's how many times did I read it before I got that? So mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I feel like those are, those are the comics that stand the test of time, right? Those are the ones that you'll go back and revisit. And then as you get older, uh, like you get more, like I get, more knowledge you know mm-hmm. i feel like i get smarter or whatever yeah. and i go back and look at an old thing and then if i can go back and look at an old book and find something new in it uh that's just like amazing that's like mm-hmm. that's why i read absolutely and, and, and alan hughes got, got the the perfect definition for watchmen he said you know it's, it's like an onion that every time mm-hmm. you read it you get more layers and layers and layers mm-hmm. and that's something really amazing about the language as you said the language of comics because you don't know when the reader is going to come back and say, I don't know, I want to read page two again, even three times. So you got to be ready, I guess, as a writer. Yeah. So for the reader, maybe you can try to trick him into go back to page two. But now, sorry, if the reader wants to go back to page seven, he's going to go back to page seven. So you got to yeah. be ready for it to maybe another layer or maybe, you know, so it fits backwards and forwards, right? Because comics, you can read them backwards and forwards and you got to make it work in both in both senses, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, and then most readers probably won't go back to page two and look at that panel. Like, <laughs> yeah. so it has to has to work without that, you know. Yes. And and that was the 
that's I think with mind management, that was where my big, that was the the most I've done. And uh, like to me, Watchmen has always been the that's the thing I'm I've been trying to beat my whole life, right? And you're never gonna beat it. But mm-hmm. um, as far as like structure and like density of 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 everything, um, but with mind management, that was my attempt at it. I was like, I right, put there's so much in there that uh, I was like, I could go back and write like a like a essay with like all the the weird stuff that's in there that nobody's noticed still mm-hmm. to this day. <laughs> I haven't heard anybody. And, uh, but I don't want to do that, but I, but I do most of the feedback I get is like, Oh, I feel like I feel dumb or I feel like I'm missing something. I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't want people to feel that, but else mm-hmm. I want, but I do want that sense of paranoia. Like, Oh, there's something that's there. Right. Yes. Yes, you know? yes, yes. And it's cause it is, it's not about intelligence or you're not done. You know how to read comics, but it's like, but there's a game. There's a games I like to play uh and it's like you and, and i and i feel this way too i'm a lazy reader sometimes sometimes i'm like it's been a long day i just want to read it like give me a story or like it's why you watch sitcoms or tv it's like i just want to kind of turn my brain off for a little bit um and so i i get that you know and, I, and uh but mind management is not that book it's definitely a book where you like if I was reading it as a fan, I'd be like, Oh my God, this is so much work. <laughs> I have to be, I got to be in the mood for it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, one of my other favorite books is from hell. And that's, makes that's, from that's, hell great. I was going to mention that exactly. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just jumping. I can see your notes down there. Um, no, I, uh, but what I love about, but you got to be in the mood for that. Cause it's like, you, but it's great. You can read that a couple different ways. You can read it just straight through Jack the Ripper story. But that's not the best way. The best way for me was like, page at a time go look at the the footnotes in the back yes go through boom <laughs> I, boom 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 like this yeah. but the, that's not a book you read after a long day of work right nope. <laughs> it's not, that's nope. a book you're like oh i'm gonna spend all saturday i'm gonna immerse myself and that's and it's it's a different kind of book i do that but, with uh, I, do that, I do that with uh with from hell and also with promethea you know it's, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I, sure. I, I need to be i need to be in the mood to read this especially as you go forward and forward you know and it gets uh, Crazy is not the word, but you know what I mean. It gets more yeah. and more into that, and you're like, okay, I need, you know, give me a coffee. I need a coffee, sit down, yeah, yeah. relax. Nobody around. I just need to focus on this. No, no, there's good. There's a, another book I reread over the summer was Straight Bullets, which I'd, I'd read as it was coming out, like, in issues, you know, and I'd read a couple of the trades. I have all the trades, but I've only reread the first few. But mm-hmm. that's it's almost a different experience. Where that was that one. I read it over, like, a weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, it probably it probably took me like five days where I was like I'm just reading this reading this but it it was so big and there's so many overlapping characters that don't and he doesn't spell it out for you so you don't know and it's jumping in time like that one I feel like I had to read as quickly as possible mm-hmm. so I could keep it all in my head and be like okay who's this what where is that from what is that and it's it was such a big piece of work but I feel like I had to read it fast mm-hmm. <laughs> so I could keep it all in my head I would just forget if I didn't, if I took a day off, it was, it was too long and I'd forgotten something. So, anyway. Nico Rodriguez asks, any tips for indie comics creators to increase your audience? Thoughts on digital platforms like Gumroad? Thank you. Yeah, Gumroad, I, I, uh, I think there's, I don't know. I'm not an expert enough to know that stuff. Like I got in the old school way. So it was like, I just went to try to find a publisher and get my, started getting my books out. And then, I mean, this is the beginning of internet. That's, when I was starting. Um, so yeah, there's so many, there's so many outlets now and so many ways to get your work out. Like the best advice to me is like make the comics. Like if you do good comics and you just, 
keep making pages of it. It doesn't matter where, where you put them up or how you do it. Eventually you're going to build an audience. You know, I think just, uh, keeping your output, um, consistent, you know, wherever it is, like if you're posting on Mondays and Wednesdays, always post on Mondays and Wednesdays, put it Mm -hmm. up there. So people are expecting it. It'll be there for them. Um, but I think that there's no, there's no substitute for doing the work, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like the, the format may change and the outlets may change, but doing the work doesn't change, you know, getting pages under your belt that never changes. I, to that question, I always answer the same thing, which is something that C.B. Sebolsky told me many years ago when he was still yeah. talent manager at Madbell. It's like editors love people who finish things. Yeah. That's it. That's just, just do the work, and then they'll find you one way or the other, right? Yeah, yeah. No, what is it? it's the rule of whatever a thousand pages you do it. You, you're not you got to do a thousand pages before you do your first good one, or write however many pages before you do your first good one. And uh, there's a truth to it, you know. It just takes mm-hmm. practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one last, just you know, we've been at this for more than one hour and thirty minutes, and I guess you got to go back to your life and to work and to to have lunch. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah more... sure. What, sorry? Oh, no, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. Um, so one more and I let you go. It's, um, okay. Is there any stories that you've been stopping yourself from telling, you know, as a creator, and I mean creator own, that you've been saying, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, but that you know you're going to tell before you retire or die? And I don't think you're going to retire. So um, is there anything that you're being stopped in that? But you know it'll come. That story that, yeah. that your, your magna opus in a way. Yeah, I'm, there's not, I'm not saving it, but there's one. There's a book I've been working on for years called Sleepy Hollow, which is based on my the small town I grew up in. And it's like stories of like everybody in that town. And then like me growing up sort of like based on me so it's going to be mm-hmm. fictionalized I, it's not going to be 100 true but it's uh it's the one that i i want to be like it doesn't it's not going to i don't need to do it now like the older i get the more i think the better it'll be mm-hmm. uh, and so i've sort of outlined it and i have like but i'm sort of i am kind of saving that one it's usually that i don't do that but it's the one where i'm like i even did i did a cover a couple of different covers for it and i'm testing out different art styles to try to figure out like what i want it to look like um, because I can do, there's a few different ways I can do it. Um, but yeah, it's probably my most personal thing. It's the thing that, uh, uh, just is like, uh, whatever. I've never done anything like truly like autobiographical because I don't, I'm like, I don't, my life is not interesting enough to actually base it on me, <laughs> but I, the town I grew up in was interesting enough. And there was a, and there was this, there was a murder that happened when I was a, when I was growing up there that was always sort of like burned into my brain, like the, and so I'm sort of, that's sort of like the, the seed and everything is like growing around it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, but it's uh, based on a true story. And I went back there and did some research and I'm just taking my time with it because I want mm-hmm. it to be, I don't know, I think it's just, it'll be good, but it's going to take me a while. So you are, you're saving it consciously, unconsciously, or you are like, hmm. Not yet, simply. Yeah, no, I, it, part of it is a schedule. Like if I actually sat down, like, oh, this month, I'm going to sit down and like finish the outline and start, right? I could I could do it, but I've just been so busy. Like bad ideas got me busy with a bunch of new books. And then um, Tyler, and then there's a pressure, like 
I want to keep working with Tyler and David mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, Wilfredo's going to come back. We're going to do more bangs. So it's like, I have all these like fun toys and friends to sort of work on things with. So it's constantly sort of distracting me from, from that other book, which is like, it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> it's really big. <laughs> so, so it's, it might be, I'm a little, I'm not lazy. It's just like, these other things are more fun. <laughs> well, and, and that book, as you said, needs more time, right? It just needs time. Yeah, so yeah. You need the time to focus and you don't have the time right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's it for today. Thank you so much, Matt, for being here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. And to all of you, thank you so much for your questions and your comments. You're being amazing as usual. And wear your mask. Be decent. We're still, there's the light by the end of the tunnel, but we are not there yet. So please, I beg you, be careful. Take care of each other. Take care of others. We are not there yet. And back on Wednesday with Aro Atrave and Bea Tormo, Spanish creators. You're going to love it. El miércoles con Bea Tormo y Aro Atrave. Os lo pasaréis muy bien. And we're off in three, Two.